Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and called together all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in, the dream, in a dream not to return to Herod, they let, left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. This morning we begin our Advent Sermon series based on a book of devotions titled Why This Jubilee? Advent Reflections on Songs of the Season by James Howell. Um, I wanted to start off, um, off by reading an excerpt from the book where the author explains beautifully why he is using Christmas carols as a reflection of Advent. He writes this, quote, The defiance of whatever bleakness the world offers, we still have cause to sing. Our plea to come, O come, Emmanuel, to us who mourn in lonely exile here is answered. For Christ is born of Mary. Wearied by a world of crassness and violence, we peek behind the veil and recall that he rules the world with truth and grace. It's true. The hope and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. So come, let us adore him. We are not alone. God comes down. God has come and will come down. For God cannot bear to be apart from us even those of us who forget about God or aren't trying to get close to God. The love that made the universe, you, me, and all creation, is approaching. With God's help and others singing along by heart, we can raise our voices in song, end quote. And so, we invite you to sing the carols in worship as loud as you can as we go through these devotionals together this Advent season. Today, we start by looking at three songs, we three kings of Orient are St. Joseph's Carol and Hark the Herald Angels Sing, all having to do with male characters in the Christmas story, namely the wise men Joseph and the angels. Let us pray together. O oh God, 
we end our year in thanksgiving for all that you have done for us and begin a new church year waiting for you. And now open our ears to hear and transform our lives to follow where you lead us. Amen. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming or visit. Not only is Advent the beginning of our liturgical year calendar, it's the time of the year when we Christians remember the longing of the Jews for a Messiah and our own longing for forgiveness, salvation, and a new beginning. We not only look back at the birth of baby Jesus in Bethlehem, we also look forward to the second coming of Christ. In short, Advent is ultimately the season of waiting. We begin our new year by waiting. Now, let me ask you, who here enjoys a good wait? Who loves it when the line is extra long at the DMV? What about when you go to the doctor's office and the receptionist calls you in from the waiting room and they put you in a smaller room so you could wait some more? Don't you just hate that? What about a new mother waiting for her first child to be born? I hear that kind of waiting is pretty painful. What about a family waiting for their father, mother, son, or daughter to come home from service in the military? What about those waiting to hear back about the lab tests? All of us experience these seasons, and none of us enjoy them. We do not like waiting. Because we hate waiting, we have really changed our world into a place where we have to wait as little as possible. Think about package deliveries these days. If you live in a big city like Chicago, Amazon Prime can now deliver anything you want to your door within an hour. They really can. I don't even understand how they can make the logistics of gathering, packaging, and delivering any random objects that freaky fast. What about those pesky commercials on TV? Nowadays, if you have video streaming like Hulu or Disney+, Plus. You can pay extra to not have any commercials ever. No waiting. Of course, a shout-out needs to go out to our microwaves, but they still don't seem that fast enough. I'm sure we have also all experienced the microwave time warp effect. You know, no matter how much time you punch into that microwave, it's still an eternity until your food is done warming up. Um, the other day, I found... I went to uh, warm up some um, leftovers in the microwave, and I saw that my microwave was set to one second. So apparently, I couldn't wait that one more second until my food was done microwaving. I had to stop it and take my food out because I was that hungry. We humans can be so impatient sometimes. Now, waiting isn't uh, such a bad thing if we do it right. We have all heard the saying, good things come to those who wait. Have you ever experienced good things because you waited? I certainly have. I wanted to share with you a story about a time I waited, and a very, very good thing happened, and I have some pictures to go with my story. So my friend John and I had heard that a famous hot dog stand in Chicago called Hot Dogs was closing forever. It was the last week that they would be open. Now, I've never heard of hot dogs before, 
but the news was making such a big deal out of it, so I thought I'd better try it before they're gone forever. So John and I got there at around 7 a.m. on a Saturday, thinking that we would be the first in line when hot dogs opened at 10 a.m. Well, to our surprise, this was the line we saw when we got there. I have a picture. There we go. Okay. So there was already a line about three blocks long. After waiting until about 9 a.m., two hours, a staff of hot dogs came out and about a block behind us drew a line and said, the line ends here today. Remember, hot dogs, I told you, opens at 10 a.m. So they were already closing their line an hour before they even opened. Major hype was established. Long story short, we ended up getting our hot dogs at 5 p.m. Yeah, so John and I waited 10 hours in line to get our hot dogs. I know you're probably wondering what kind of hot dogs would someone wait 10 hours for. Here's a picture of the hot dogs. They don't look that special, but they, they are so good. There we go. So they're not normal hot dogs. Um, I guess they're called like gourmet hot dogs, whatever that is. They had um, alligator dogs. They had duck meat dogs, cheese grit dogs. Um, you know, they're not normal hot dogs. Maybe it's because we hadn't eaten anything all day, but they were definitely the best hot dogs I have ever had, and no hot dog have, has ever since been close to those hot dogs. But this isn't the end of the story. While we were waiting pretty much all day long, we spent the day with the people in line with us. So here's a nice couple who waited uh, with their baby behind us. There's a picture. So it's true dedication when you bring your infant to a line for hot dogs for 10 hours. <laughs> here's another couple we met who were on vacation from San Francisco, Loretta and Michael. So it was their last day in Chicago, and when they heard that Hot Dogs was closing, they decided to sacrifice their last day of their vacation to get these hot dogs. In fact, we became such good friends that when Stacy and I went to San Francisco the year after, we invited them to hang out with our friends, and we ended up hanging out together. So here's the next picture. They're in the back there. So um, I didn't just get the best hot dogs ever. I made new friends that day. Now, if good things really do come to those who wait, it might be good for us to know what waiting well looks like as we begin this Advent season. What should we do, do, uh, be doing as we wait for Jesus? James Howell suggests that we can learn about waiting well from the men in the Christmas story. <clears throat> we begin with the wise men. If we can call them wise at all, or even three wise men for that matter, here's what I mean. Here's a little tr Christmas trivia for you. How many wise men were there in the Christmas story? I think most of you will say three. With confidence, when in reality, the Bible doesn't specify how many. We assume three because there are three gifts, and the Christmas carol says we three kings of Orient are. It could have just as well been two, five, or even 30 wise men, 
that brought three gifts. Now, when I told this to the junior high youth group last year, they thought I was reading the wrong Bible. <laughs> they had also always assumed it was three. We also wonder how wise these wise men were to follow a star from the east that rises. Because we know a little bit more than they did about astronomy, we wonder what was the source of light the Magi actually followed. It couldn't have been a star, so was it a supernova, Jupiter, Saturn, or maybe even Halley's Comet? I think maybe the Beamans can help us with that. And no, they weren't really kings either. Despite all of this theological kookiness, we can take note of what the Magi did when they saw this light, this beacon of new hope to the West. What did they do to prepare for the coming but not here yet Jesus? They packed up their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and traveled afar. What would a child do with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Nothing. An infant had no use for such things. But the Magi really did prepare gifts of immense value. But they brought what was precious to them. James writes, They parted with what they adored to adore the Lord. So what makes a good gift? Is a good question to ask in this season. Wouldn't you agree that the best gifts are not necessarily, uh, necessarily the ones that are the newest or cost the most? I know many of you wonder why I wear this black robe when Jane always wears her white robe. Why won't I wear a white robe? <laughs> well, this robe was given to me by my uncle, who retired the same year I started clergy ministry. This was his most prized robe, and he gave it to me. It's not in the best shape, but his robe is precious to me because it was precious to my uncle. I feel supported and loved when I wear this robe. So friends, the wise man tells us that perhaps waiting well this Advent is about preparing a gift as we do normally for Christmas. It's about preparing a gift for a God that gave us God's most prized possession. God gave God's self to us in Jesus. So I ask you, what is our most prized possession we can offer back to God? What can we part with that we adore in order to adore Christ? Now, what about Joseph? How did he wait for baby Jesus? Well, here's another Christmas trivia for you. Name three Christmas carols that include Joseph in the title. I don't know how many you can answer or, or name. Personally, I could name the three carols that our book mentions. St. Joseph's Carol, When Joseph Went to Bethlehem, and Joseph Dearest, Joseph Mine. But I can't honestly say I know any of the words nor the melodies to them. I suspect that most of you are like me. That's because Joseph really doesn't get that much attention in the Christmas story. I don't think any husband gets any of the attention when a baby is born. What we do know about Joseph is that he was a virtuous and merciful man. We know in those days 
he had the legal right over Mary once she was found to be pregnant and was caught in adultery. He didn't have to be at the receiving end of any of the possible shame or embarrassment, nor the stares and gossip around town. Joseph could have divorced Mary, leaving her at the mercy of the death penalty. He didn't have to be a part of any of it. However, Joseph believes Mary's story, and ultimately God's story. He trusts, he stays, he is present. Perhaps that's what we can do too as we wait this Advent season. We can be present too. Now, being present isn't the same thing as doing nothing. If it was nothing, we wouldn't make presence one of the vows of membership in the church. Worshiping with a community of faith is the gift of presence. If you look around you, people are giving you a gift right now of their presence. When someone has fallen ill, we can offer healing through the gift of presence. When someone has lost a loved one and words are so very inadequate, we can offer the gift of presence. If violence or abuse has shattered relationships, we can offer the gift of presence. We can offer the gift of presence with a one-on-one visit or as we support those in need through the the broader work of our church. The ministry of presence is a way for us to make real the love of Christ in our world. It is taking action. Now, what about the angels? When we think of angels, I imagine most of us make uh, an image in our minds much like this one. Most likely, we imagine angels as these cute, maybe innocent-looking beings with wings uh, playing their harps of gold, singing a light-hearted song. James Howell writes this, quote, Yet Martin Luther King Jr. once preached a sermon titled, How a Christian Overcomes Evil, using an illustration from mythology. Sirens sang seductive songs that lured sailors into shipwreck. Two men, however, managed to navigate those treacherous waters successfully, and King contrasts their techniques. Ulysses uh, stuffed wax into the ears of his uh, rowers, strapped himself into the mast of the ship, and by dint of will managed to steer clear of the shoals. But Orpheus, as his ship drew near the danger point, simply pulled out his lyre and played a song more beautiful than that of the siren. So his sailors listened to him instead of them. The beauty of our music that we sing with the angels during this season isn't sheer enjoyment. Good and evil are at stake. End quote. By this sermon, Martin Luther King Jr. means to say that angels are and were no joke. Angels only showed up with big assignments from God to counter evil. The angels in our Christmas uh, story were declaring the breaking in of God's reign into our world. It was the biggest deal. 
Waiting well means the work of declaring the breaking in of God's reign into our world is also our world, or our work. When we prepared those Thanksgiving baskets last week for all the families in need, we were declaring God's reign. When we purchased gifts for our Christmas angel project, we are declaring God's reign. Caring for the homeless, the poor, the marginalized, and the hurting is declaring God's reign. So brothers and sisters, here we are at Advent, the time of the year when waiting seems the hardest in every possible way. Nevertheless, we are called to wait. Let us embrace the waiting. Let us wait well, preparing to give God our best gift. Let us wait well as we are present for one another. Let us wait well as we declare the reign of Christ everywhere we go. Amen.